0: The Star Owls, the Sheffield Wednesday podcast from the Star Foundation. Welcome to the latest episode of The Star Owls, uh, reflecting on cook progress for uh, Sheffield Wednesday amidst a uh, COVID-19 crisis at the club. Joining me to do that is uh, one half of the Star's Owls writing team. It's Joe Cran. How are you, Joe? Oh, good. Thank you very much, man. Yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. And uh, beavering away in the background, it's uh, the other half of the Stars Owls writing team. It's Alex Miller. How are you, Alex?
1: Yeah, very well, thank you. Recovered from uh, a long, long trip from uh, from Devon. Um, and yeah, yeah, all good.
0: Yeah, a bit of positivity about the place at the minute, which is uh, something we've not experienced too much of at the minute. Alex is just busy working away on a, a new feature that we'll have towards the end of this episode, so stay tuned for that one. But first... Let's reflect on that game at Exeter at the weekend. Uh Alex, you, your thoughts on that one? What was the experience like down there?
1: Yeah, it was a, a long trip down. Uh lovely little ground, it's another new ground for me, which is always nice. Um and yeah, it was a bit you know, obviously we'd had whispers that there was um you know further issues perhaps, um with with sort of the, the general health of the squad Nicky Weaver, um was obviously confirmed to have tested positive for for coronavirus and wasn't in the dugout. And and Wednesday were only able to name four players on the bench, uh, which is incredible, really, when you, when you consider everything. Um, only three outfield players, of course, and a very young side. You know, I think we're all excited to see um, a number of these young players. It, I think there was a bit of a presumption in in some quarters that Wednesday would gonna do a derby and sort of name a very, very, you know, like a almost like a youth team. Um obviously that that wasn't the case. They had, you know, a couple of Scottish Internationals, Adam Reach, you know, Kadeem Harris, they had some some uh some elder statesmen in there. But uh yeah, really, really impressed with with the young players. I think Liam Shaw's the man that's getting all the or the boy that's getting all the um attention and rightly so because there were a couple of really standout moments there. Um but, you know, Ryan Galvin, Kieran Brennan, just absolutely outstanding at the back. You know, came through the first 10 or 15 minutes. You sort of sat there and uh, extra had a, a big lad up top, Ryan um, Conway? Ryan... Yeah, Bowman. that's right. Bowman, Bowman. Thank you, Joe. They're Ryan Conway's the uh, derby writer for The Athletic. Oh, he is. <laughs> he is. Good point. Uh, <laughs> who, who basically set about, you know, trying to bully you know the three young odds at the back and sort of off the ball and stuff um, we was sort of using all the dark arts that he's picked up from you know life in, in the lower leagues and, and in non-league football and as I say in the first 10-15 minutes you're sort of looking at it and you're thinking oof could be a long afternoon this um, but they just grew into it and they were they were fantastic all three of them um, really sort of did their bit for, for academy football there's been a lot of talk at other clubs isn't there about how some of the younger sides have got on um, in the FA Cup and, and Wednesday, you know, the young lads really held up their end of the bargain.
0: Yeah, this is it. I mean, the, these players are, some of them have certainly a fair way off the first team level. You know, this is not just dropping down into into lads that have been on the bench regularly or, or, or even sporadically through the season. You're looking at lads that are making a quite significant step up Due to this uh, current crisis and performing really well, you know, it's it's <laughs> like the, it. It was reflected, I think, in the um, in the in the Charlie Derby game, just how much like the the, the probably the standard that uh, the, the the careers that the Chorley players had had, and probably. Some of those players that they played against, who are currently with Derby, they they might end up having better careers than the, the young Derby lads go on to, given the the manner of the churn of that age group as well. So, for for a, a young group of players to step up so successfully, um, and who knows what's going to happen to them in the future? It's a real, real positive. And I think it's, I think it's just been exactly the the sort of event, the sort of day that that. Wednesday nights have needed for a while some a bit something really positive and something to be cautiously excited about to it's fair to say but excited about and and you know something to cling on to it's, it has we've we spoke about it so much over the last few years on on this podcast in terms of the lack of players coming on that coming down that production line to so, to see players coming in from Way down the, the the sort of age groups and making uh, an impact and a positive one at that, it's such a boost uh, I think for for everybody. And as you mentioned, um, Liam Shaw, the standout among the group. What did what did you make to Liam uh, Joe?
2: Yeah, he's brilliant. I think he's he seems to be getting he seems to be getting better every game. You know, he's he's a sort of player that because of his you know purely physical attributes, he's he is very suited to the championship. Um, but to coin the the cliche, he's got he's got big uh, good feet for a big lad, and you know there was, there was one sort of Zinedine Zidane esque turn in there, a little bit of a roulette, and then he pinged one out wide, and um, I think that's the the thing for him is that because of the way that he's played, you know, Tom has spoken about it, the, the fact that he's you know he's played defensive, made he's played midfield, he's played centre back, he's played up top, you know he's got quite a lot of strings to his bow, and um, I think the interesting thing for me in this this last game was he was he was sort of thrust into a leadership role. Um, yes, there was, like Alex said, some older states from the side, guys who've got a lot of experience, but, you know, in that back line, he was, he was alongside Kieran Brennan, who I think has played two senior games and Ryan Galvin was making his, his senior debut. So all of a sudden he was like the, you know, he's 19 years old, but he was the experienced one in that back line, apart from obviously Mozart of Arjo. And yeah, it was a, it was a really good performance for me. I, you know, I, for, for me, I, I gave him an eight in my ratings, and then he got that assist at the end. And I'm like, there was no chance that I can't give him a nine after that because <laughs> it was ridiculous. It, like, the, just everything about it was brilliant because, you know, you go through this um, sort of range of emotions. First bit when he wins the ball, and you go, excellent, get yourself in the corner, lad. And he starts running right to the corner, and you think, brilliant, just take it to that corner flag and stay there. And then he decided to do what he did. Beat his man, and then put it on a plate for Callum Patson, and you're just thinking, yeah, that'll do. It was nice to win a game by two goals for a change as well. Yeah, <laughs> um, but the I think to be honest, it was just a. As Alex said, there was I was really excited for the game. I think the the sense of unknown about it was what was quite exciting. You know, you can kind of as much as we don't know what formation wins you're going for these days, you know, the the sort of players that we're playing it is quite. Um, quite predictable if you know what I mean whereas with this one there was such an air of we actually don't know who's going to play here that it it set things up really nicely and that was that was nice for me I and, and I just think that with the team that got put out you know they they were I mean you could see with Barry Bannon for instance I mean he played that game with his hand behind his back he was you know you can see that he's so far above League 2 level um, but you, it, it's one of those banana skins that can slip you up every now and again and for him to go out and play like they did and for the youngsters to have played as well as they did um, you know Alex mentioned Kieran Brennan and, and Ryan Galvin um, I think Alex wasn't, wasn't quite where people wanted him to be he, he did grow into a little bit you know before he came off but for me especially Ryan Galvin to to have played that way in his first ever senior game and then come off and said should have been a bit more attacking, I think is a, is a really good sign. <laughs> I've seen him I've seen him play under twenty three and he does stick out, you know, he does stick out. Not not because of, of I don't think it's because of anything extra special that he does really. It's not like he um you know, it's not like he's throwing step overs and, you know, taking people on with fancy trickery or anything like that. He's just he just looks really, really competent and, and I think that with Wednesday ha- having no left backs um, is it's if he can sort of kick on now, it gives an interesting option for Andy Oldworth or Neil Thompson or whoever else ends up managing the side in the next two weeks.
0: I think that's been a big factor as well—the the, the confidence of, the, of these young lads to to step into an occasion where th- there is pressure on. You know, uh, no doubt about it it, it. it.
2: it matters that they need to win, doesn't it? And I yeah. think that's the key thing.
0: Yeah. That's such a huge thing, and so much is said when, when young players step up from under twenty-three levels, whether they're going out on loan or whatever, that playing men's football, and as you say, in in matches that really do matter, where there is a, and and everybody's out there desperate to get the win, and it it's a huge thing, and that that can only be a, a, a positive for this young group. William Shaw's part in that goal—I mean, I obviously saw it; I I knew that. Wednesday scored, but when I saw it, I knew that Wednesday had scored from that thing. But the confidence that he had, by the way, to to pick up the ball and run that length, even if he were trying to go to the corner at first, to to carry it over that distance, you know that. that
2: <laughs> yeah, after after playing for a full ninety minutes, to have that energy still there is is impressive, isn't it?
1: Yeah, certainly is. Certainly is really impressive. So I, I must admit, and the three of us have all been in this situation when you you're in a press box or in the stands, as it is now. And you you you're trying to be professional, and you, do you know what I mean. So, something <laughs> yes. out there happens, and you do, And you know, I'm not in the position of you guys. I'm not a life like Wednesday I but obviously, especially with some of the young players, you 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 build up an affinity, and you you want to see them do well. I must admit, I let out a noise that I don't think I'll ever let out before <laughs> or again when he just kept going. You know that. You know, Gary Neville, when Torres scored for Chelsea. The... <laughs> one of those? Yeah, I was just like, sure, <laughs> sure, sure! You yeah, know, it just kept going.
0: Um, I had one of them moments when Wednesday took the lead at Man City in the FA Cup when Attie knew he would <laughs> score, put them 1-0 up, and uh, that was a point when I very much struggled to, uh, to contain me. Uh...
2: I, I, I was in a press conference when that happened. I was watching it. Orlando Pirates were playing. I was in a press conference, and I had it on my phone. And we went one-up against Man City and I I think I gave a little fist pump and a grunt and someone like the press conference all turned around and look looked at me. <laughs> uh, which was quite embarrassing.
0: Yeah, sometimes you can't you can't help it. So that's uh, that's uh, the lesson that we learned from that one. Um obviously this came, as we said, in the middle of this um this COVID crisis at the club. Alex, what's the what's the latest on this?
1: Well, I think to be fair, Joe's been sort of a bit further across yes. uh, things on this, but I, th- I think what's interesting is the news from from Brentford um, today that, that they've returned a, a number of positive tests and that their next two games is interesting. The, the, the phraseology is suspended. I mean, they're essentially postponed, aren't they? Um, but yeah, that you know they're in a different position to Wednesday obviously Wednesday's fixture at the weekend with it being an FA Cup game was always going to be played you know the FA had made it very clear that you know if, if the club had 14 available players um, you know the, the, the tie had to be played in order to get it in, in you know the, the next round's only in a couple of weeks isn't it um, but it's not as clear cut with the championship um, Wednesday obviously I have an academy to fall back on Brentford a few years ago decided not to go down that route. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's a bit interesting. Like, like I said, Joe can probably fill in a little bit more with how, how Wednesday are, are going about things.
2: Joe, you know the latest? Yeah, basically, the yeah, I mean, they, they're getting tested twice this week. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think that the situation... Look, for me, I think, you know, I said it said it on Twitter earlier when when the Brentford game... Games got postponed. I just can't. I can't see how we don't end up at another standstill. You know, it's it's becoming so many teams who are being affected by it now, Um, and I know that that would be catastrophic for some teams across the country. Um, It'd be bad for most, but it'd be you know I think it would be the end for a lot of clubs, unfortunately, across the country. But you know, we're we're in a position now where it's just getting it's getting so bad, and with Wednesday, obviously, they had. Four subs, three outfield players for the Exeter game. Um, They've all, you know, players isolating or did test positive. And basically, Wednesday are in a position now where they've just got to see what happens. Um, Like I said, they'll they'll all be tested twice this week. Uh, I think it will be staggered just because of the nature of it all. Um, I don't think it's a case of everyone gets tested at a certain time and then they've got the results straight afterwards. Um, But that's going to... I would think that with everything that's going on obviously nobody wants games postponed um especially not the league um but I think it's going a decision will only be able to be made later in the week when when Wednesday know exactly what they're dealing with but I think you've also got to consider the uh, the commentary perspective as well you know they they will look at the game and they'll they know because it's been obviously news all over the place they'll know the situation that Wednesday find themselves in. Um, and they'll want to know 100% about what's going on because they want they won't want to put their players at risk so um, yeah I think it's definitely going to be a, a waiting game over the next few days but you know obviously it's it's people's health so I, I don't think it serves a purpose to really name names but you know you, you, you look at the team that Wednesday put out and there's a lot of players that you would you would expect to start that game so you know I think that the whether, whether Wednesday are in a position to field a side or not, um, we'll only find out later in the week. But it would seem a shame for me to have, I suppose, the Wednesday effectively be punished for having an academy. You know, Brentford don't have an academy, so they can cancel their game and, you know, it's fine. But Wednesday, you've got two massive games coming up against Coventry and Wickham, um, end up playing. You know, they a load of 17, 18, 19-year-olds just because they've got them available. Um, and, you know, it also jeopardises, I suppose, the integrity of the league because we we, we know what's happening in the football league in the last few years. And if, uh, if Coventry beat a, a very, very young, very inexperienced Wednesday side after Wednesday have tried to get it, you know, get it postponed because they haven't got enough players and the AFL says now... Uh, and then Coventry stay up by two points at the end of the season. We know we know that third bottom teams come knocking, and you know you don't want to be in that situation.
0: Now the the FA Cup and, and the the FA stance on on how, whether the, the, these games going ahead uh, as long as you've got fourteen available players and uh, you have, you would have to take them from your from your youth system if if uh, if required. That's kind of muddied things, really, because they, it, that's not been the case with, with the EFL. And that was already... you well,
2: they're singing from completely different hymns, aren't they? I mean, completely. You, you look at the FA Cup, and, and I think the other difference is that the FA Cup, especially, I mean, you know, me and Alex, obviously, you know, we see a lot of the, the sort of general mood that goes off with Wednesday nights, and it kind of felt like if they play kids and we get knocked out, it's fine. Mm. You know, it, it served its purpose... They've um, had a bit of a run out, and we're not going to win the FA Cup anyway. But if you have to play Wickham and Coventry, and you lose both those games because you're playing a team with an average age of 19 years old, and then you get relegated because of it, that's that's a big deal. That's not mm-hmm. just getting knocked out of a cup that you're not going to win.
0: Yeah, the thing the thing is with the with the EFL, it's not been clear all along, and and you can and and this is not just from the outside of clubs and 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 looking at it. Clubs themselves clearly don't fully understand exactly what the situation has to be for them to be able to request a postponement.
2: Yeah, they made they made rather play, didn't they? Yeah.
0: The um they, they didn't the made Rotherham play. There's been other clubs we saw. I think it were Lincoln and Wimbledon last week where they said they felt compelled to play their game because despite concerns, and and that's happened a, a few times. So, but then you get other teams who've had a perfectly Comfortable relationship with the EFL and, and be, in terms of feeling that they could call three and four games off at a time and been able to do it. So this, on the
2: plus side, Wednesday have got a really good relationship with the EFL, so <laughs> we'll be fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'll be calling on the on the friends. <laughs> but yeah, this this FA Cup thing has just completely skewed it because the people if if Wednesday were to turn around and go well. Right, we've 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 not got any any fresh cases this week, or what well, we have, we're the, uh, we've but we're still missing a fair few players for for quarantine reasons and things like that. So we're not going to be able to play it. Well, Coventry would be well within the rights to look and go. Well, you played last weekend, didn't you? Beat Exeter two 0 a team that's doing all right in League Two. But so we'll have to wait and see. On, on that point, Joe, is there um, any sort of indication of? Um, whether the quarantine period the, the isolation period of these players and staff that have been in isolation will that be up by the weekend
2: i think i think it's very much case by case right because you know, it depends on when people tested positive it depends on you know when they got the results back who's been with who all that kind of stuff. So like I say, I just think it's a very I do not envy the team there, by the way. You know, it's a logistical nightmare to try no. and figure this out. Okay. Um but yeah, I think obviously Middlewood Road's still closed. Um I know the youngsters have they've been training at Thorncliffe. Uh under twenty threes and the eighteens have been at Thorncliffe. When did was open, you know, for, for the players if they want to, it's been deep cleaned, all that kind of stuff but yeah it's very much a case of just waiting and seeing cuz i think because of the nature of it all even if Wednesday have a uh, a few um you know a few more positive tests that come in i think the league will still be like well let's wait and see what you're looking like at the end of the week rather than making a decision on a on a wednesday about you know what's happening on saturday so oh. alex i've yeah. no idea what you're going to do with your train mate <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll just
2: I might walk down. Um, Start out,
1: I think um, Neil Thompson spoke to us last week, didn't he? He said in, in in and these were sort of ideal scenarios that that they hoped that it would be Wednesday um, when when Middlewood Road was was reopened. But I think that is, that is very much a a best case scenario, and and obviously you know if, if testing is going to be staggered, then yeah, it'll be interesting really to see to see how they continue to to sort of try and tackle this.
0: Be tr I think this testing is going to um, it's going to be a big factor. I think in the the way that it goes and whether there is a a, a more of a long term future for this season and it's not going to get stopped. I, I imagine that they're going to let a couple of weeks go by and see how clubs are riding through it and whether it's whether cases can be isolated. I know that the uh, every club's been written to, to remind them of the. Uh, the responsibilities in adhering to procedures at training grounds and things like that. And so I, th- I imagine that they're going to leave it a couple of weeks um, to see what, what happens. Um, but you don't, it, while it hasn't massively blown up in terms of clubs, I, I don't, the the crisis that hit league one hasn't seemed to have spread too much. And it's slowly but surely coming under control in league one. It's still very precarious, isn't it? The, uh, the The situation and and obviously this is obviously within football's own microcosm within the wider society the the situation's getting more and more desperate, so we'll be very interesting to see what happens i think for me the the pressure that's being put on by the fact that the euros are still planned to go ahead in the summer, and obviously the things could be drastically different by then, but it's putting an awful lot of pressure on domestic football to stick within a within a time frame and, and not extend the seasons that they are. When I don't know about you, Alex, but I think extending the season at least by a month would be would be massive.
1: It would. And I think, you know, it, it would probably be being spoken about a lot more and considered a lot, a lot easier if that Euros thing wasn't there. Um, yeah. It's, it, look, it's difficult. And then we, we spoke an awful lot, you know, in the original lockdown about the role of football in, in society and and providing you know a structure to some people's weeks and stuff. I, I, I don't think it's too dramatic or, or you know anything to, to sort of suggest that. But yeah, it's certainly a very difficult one because you know th- these are health issues that we're talking about, you know, and serious health issues and health issues that we probably don't know the the long term effects. of. we've seen a you know a couple of Newcastle players, big name players of. of suffered from sort of longer term um symptoms and and that sort of thing and and you know it's going to be months and years before we truly know what you know what what this virus does and, and what it can do to to sort of the younger and and fitter members of society so um yeah it, it's not something it is it almost feels like you know it's been nearly a year now that we've been living with this thing and it's i think it it can be did Sort of spoken about a little bit flippantly in mm. in in some quarters because it has just been a part of our our lives now for such a long time. But I think it's important to remember that you know there's a there's a real balancing act here with with footballers. You know, could they be seen as key workers in in some ways with with the role that they're playing in in society and and all the rest of it? It's it's so so difficult, and I think when we when we're talking about the the EFL and all the rest of it. I know there's there's such a checkered relationship, and that's been for for a long time um, from a, from a Wednesday standpoint. But I don't think anyone envies the position that that they're in in, in trying to sort of administer and, and try and keep things going as best they can in all this.
2: I, I think, think, I think you're right, Alex, as well. Sorry, sorry. I'm trying no, no. to say health health wise. You know, I think the other thing is everyone focuses on these these positive and negative tests and stuff like that. But if you're if you're tested positive, even if you're you know asymptomatic or even if you've just got like a little bit of a cough or whatever, it's kind of like there's a pressure on you to, you know, if you test positive, if you test negative a few days later, um, once you've got through it, it's like, well, get on the field on Saturday then. We need you. Um, You know, and there's, there's such a pressure to get these games done that I think sometimes just because you are, um, negative and allowed to play it might not be the best thing for you health wise to do so
0: no no it's it's going to be so interesting to see how it plays out. I think the only thing the EFL could I think if there'd have been a, a strict thing from the um, the um, the EFL in terms of this is what's going to be required for a game to be postponed This you know and all those kind of things then it it that probably would have made it clearer, but as you said, there's some sympathy with them for, for trying to administer this. Um, in terms of um, player availability for the weekend, obviously COVID aside, if if that wasn't a factor, are there going to be any players back available that that, that were struggling before this crisis, uh, Joe?
2: I think Josh Windass is obviously he's touching go. Um, you know, he picked up a an injury. In that derby game, I think it was. Um, obviously, Dominic offers not going to play again this season, by the sounds of it. Um, yeah, I think Josh is the only one that's sort of on the on the cusp. Of, I might be missing anybody. Is there anyone you can think of, Alex?
1: Well, Westwood and Dunkley, I think, were. Oh, of course, yes, yeah, we're touching down, yeah. about those two, yeah. Um, and you know, there's this question of Julian Berners. I don't think Luongo is going to be back. Uh, Berners is obviously a, a head injury, and so there's you know they're obviously being very very careful about about that um but yeah Dunkley Dunkley and Westwood the other two they sort of had um minorish muscle issues I think Westwood with his a flare up in his groin again and, and Dunkley was of a a small uh hamstring issue so um yeah hopefully um those two will be back cuz obviously at the at the back you know there's there's Joe Wildsmith that's a very capable deputy but being thrown into a you know a, a championship game, um, as we saw on Saturday, the the other options are, are very inexperienced. So Dunkley would certainly be a, a big big bonus if he could come back.
0: Before we get on the onto the lovely issue of the uh, the new manager and the all the rumours and all things surrounding that, I've got to touch on the uh, the piece that that you did, Alex. Uh, with uh, Declan Thompson's dad, uh, must uh, divert everybody towards that one if if they've not seen it. That was what a great great story, and w- really well handled by yourself as well. Getting uh, a, a lot more detailed on that than the uh, the just the video on the uh, on social media. But
1: that was quite an enjoyable piece to do. Yeah, it was big time. These things sort of write themselves, you know. And there's the, the, the such a nice story. You can get bogged down in doom and gloom uh as a Chef Wednesday writer sometimes. Um and that was such a such a lovely, positive story to do and um, you know, the what what I think I struggled to get across was was just that like the pride in his voice. You know, his his voice broke a couple of times when he was talking about Declan's journey. Uh, this is old man Lee, um who was obviously the star of that video and um yeah, yeah, just a really nice one to be able to do and, and thanks to Lee for for giving up his time I think he's going to be on Alan Biggs' show on on Thursday as well by the sound of things so that'll be that'll be worth tuning into because he's uh he's a good bloke is is uh, Lee Thompson
0: It's always great when you do occasionally in this job you end up in contact with parents of or players or- and and there's so many of them. Even in this day and age, still want cuttings. Or when they're, when their young lads come through and 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 made his debut, or you've written something, you know, nice about them. They they, they want copies of it, and yeah, that's where I think you get you get that real emotional connection with uh, with with and a reminder of how big it is for for families to to finally make that breakthrough after so long and so much hard work. Uh, so yeah, brilliant story. And if, if you haven't read that. Can heartily recommend it over on the Star website. One of the pieces that you just don't really want to miss, and as I will point to her again, why not consider a subscription to uh, the Star.co.uk that will give you unlimited access to all the brilliant work such as that that these two fellas put out on a regular basis. Two lads, of course, nose to the grindstone, a away on the search for a new manager, but. It's very difficult to find stuff at the minute, Joe. Is that fair to say?
2: Yeah, me and Alex have ruled more people out than we found. (laughs) uh, um... (laughs) Yeah, obviously, every time there's a name that comes up, you you try and do your best to see what's in it, and um, that's basically what me and Alex have been doing between us, sort of whittling down, trying to speak to you know different people, different agents, um, different people involved to see what's going on, and you know, basically, the situation as it is right now is that. They are in absolutely no rush. I think that that has made been, been made easier by the, the results. You know, not only is the as the runner form since since Tony Pulis left, not only has that sort of vindicated the chairman in terms of his decision, but I think it's also bought him a little time in terms of his uh, the speed at which he needs to appoint someone. Um, I think the only thing that's really put any sort of time limit on it is the fact that um, the fact that there's a transfer window going and that. Whoever comes in would, I'm sure, prefer to have a, a couple of fresh faces in as well. But, you know, Wednesday have got a couple of decent results. Um, if they can stay fit, maybe the the club see that they've got a team that is good enough to stay up, even if it's not good enough to do um, much more than that. But I think, you know, we've all spoken about what the target should be this season. Um, but yeah, from from what I can understand, there is a lot of people that have applied for the job um, which you know is understandable given the size the size of Wednesday and um, the the nature of the market at the minute you know it's people do are looking to get back into work you know people like Paul Cook have spoken spoken about it um, you know I, I I know that Torsten Fink was interested in the job I don't know if that's still the case as we stand right now um, you know but there's also been a lot of names where you know uh, Alex did a story on Joey Barton for instance on on how he would potentially be interested in it. So I think there's a lot of people who would be keen on the job, but um in in the chairman's words, he, he doesn't want to make the same he doesn't want to make another mistake like he did with Tony Pulis. Um so I think that he and his uh his team are thinking long and hard about who's gonna come in next and it's gonna be one of those where, you know, we probably get a call at half past eleven on a Tuesday night and um, uh, you know, some Someone's been brought in who maybe we've never even heard of.
0: It will certainly be half past eleven on a Tuesday night. There's <laughs> absolute guarantee uh, on that one. Um, so obviously, as you said, the, the pressure's off with the results going on uh, well uh, to uh, on the pitch at the minute. So who they're giving it to until the end of the season? Neil Thompson or Andy Holsworth?
2: <laughs> yeah, just put them in a ring and let them fight out. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think you know. Obviously, they're both really, really well respected. I think. You know, I, I I was talking about the other day. I I wouldn't be against Neil Thompson coming in, and I think you've got to be you've got to be wary of the sort of the new manager bounce. You've got to be wary of you know, Wednesday have done it so many times in the past where they've um, you know handed it over to a, an interim because he had a decent run of games. But you know, Neil Thompson knows this club absolutely inside out. He's been there ten years. He's he's seen so many of these young players develop, um, and he's incredibly well respected and incredibly well liked. So. You know, if it was a case where Wednesday decided give it into the end of the season, I I don't think it would be the end of the world. I generally don't I don't think so.
0: Yeah, I, and I I think that given the way things are going, it it would be a fairly positive, well well positively received among a, a lot of supporters uh, as well. So we shall we shall see how the next few weeks uh, pan out. Obviously, a few weeks left until the end of January, Alex. In terms of Incomings and things like that, but where where does that thing stand, and particularly sort of in light of uh, the manager situation?
1: Yeah, it just feels like everything's sort of on hold at the minute, um, for obvious reasons. I think Wednesday have sort of been stung before. Uh, you go back to not last summer, the summer before, and obviously Lee and you know, was busy picking up the pieces from. Steve Bruce's departure and it was very hit and miss the tr you know, the dealings that they managed to do, you know, bringing in Massimo Luongo um Moza de David Bates, who oh, yeah. played one one game in the Carabao <laughs> Cup. I'm trying to think who else. Uh Kadeem Harris, Julian Burner So yeah, very sort of hit and miss um on that front. Um and yeah, I, th- I think it's just we we asked the question of, of Neil Thompson. Thursday well, last week um, and and he sort of intimated as much that things sort of do tend to get done late um, the recruitment team are, are busy you know identifying but it is it is difficult at the end of the day um, I think the the other side to this is the contract situation we know that Barry Bannon, and Tom Lee's and Adam reach have been offered contracts there's there's more players you know first team players the likes of Kadeem Harris, Yost Fanarkin, the young players Liam Shaw, you know, there's there's some big names really that they want to get nailed down and um yeah, you just you just wonder a little bit. You know, I'm not I'm not being alarmist or sensationalist in sort of saying that these are deals that they'd like to have have done and and got sorted and, and signed. Um you know, it's it was this time last year that we were talking about the likes of Stephen Fletcher and Morgan Fox and how you know they're Deals were were not yet sorted, but nothing to worry about because both players wanted to stay at Sheffield Wednesday, and and obviously we know how they sort of happened, albeit with some very unprecedented circumstances wrapped around it. But um, yeah, I, I, I think from from that point of view, Wednesday, as I say, I would prefer to get these players done and dusted because at the end of the day, you know, if if there were clubs from outside of England you know Scotland from Europe or whatever that that fancied any of these players then they could you know legally get in the rear and, and make things a little bit difficult so um, yeah for, from all points of view really we've spoken a lot haven't we about the need to get um, some reinforcements in in January you'd like to think that they'll be able to do that um, you know whether or not uh, a new management managers in you know, the month Um yeah, it'll be interesting, I think. But, yeah, it'd be nice to sort of get a few deals over the line, I think.
0: Certainly would. Certainly would. The um, the cup draw, of course, uh, as we round things off, uh, and a decent tie, draw for for Wednesday in the next round.
2: Yeah, I me, mean, as soon as the draw was made, me and Alex messaged each other almost at the same time, saying, so, I mean, this one, then, do we have to fight about it? Because, <laughs> um, obviously, Goodison's a, a nice, little, nice little trip. But, yeah, no, it's... Uh, I... I I think for for me, looking back, I did a piece today on sort of Wednesday's history with Everton because I always we've always felt like we played him a lot, you know, when I was growing up. Um, and I checked, and I was right. We did play him a lot when I was growing up, but we, we've only played them like twice since we got relegated from the Premier League. Yeah. Um, so it's nice, and we haven't played them at Goodison since then either. So it's yeah, it's a, it's a good draw, and obviously they're doing doing really well this season. It's just. Again, and, and I say this every time there's a ground on the horizon, uh, every time, basically every time even me or Alex go to games, it's just it's devastating there's going to be nobody there. Like Everton's such a nice away day and it would have been great to, to go down on the train and you know see the Wednesdayites singing along and knowing that because it's a Premier League side, even if you lose, people come home and it's all right and everyone's still having a bit of a party and... It's going to be very sad. Um, as much as it's yeah, as, as much as I'm looking forward to going through there and getting to a Premier League ground and stuff, it is really gutting that there's you know that I'm basically going to be on my own.
0: It is really like obviously as I've mentioned a lot on here, I covered Doncaster Rovers. They have drawn West Ham away next round, so that's quite exciting. I've not been to the Olympic Stadium, but you realise straight away as as you do have to look on Twitter that supporters are fairly excited by the draw and likely to be able to watch it, but it's it's took something away massively, the fact that they can't go. And and rovers have got a carrot of either Liverpool away or Manchester United away in the in the fifth round if they would manage to beat West Ham. And and again it's the same thing. What what an unbelievable occasion that would be. But it's just going to take so much away from it. The fact that supporters aren't going to be allowed to do that. I think the at FA At least Cup when
2: Donny Rovers and Wednesday get to Wembley and play each other at Wembley, then all three of us can go. I reckon yes. we can
0: sort that out. I think we'll be all right for that one. I think we'll certainly be all right for that one. Uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, I think the, the lack of fans has, has hit the um, the FA Cup. Fairly hard this season. Um, I think it's needed some very very special stories to to capture the imagination. The 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 Chorley one being the being the big one, but can you imagine how much more special that would have been had there been people inside the ground and not congregating in too large numbers outside it as the teams turned up. But um, well, uh, yes, well, thing. But that's uh, that's that's going to be a decent occasion for Wednesday. I, I can remember going over to Goodison as a supporter myself. Uh, the day that Paolo Di Canio scored that incredible solo goal that uh, we've we've shared on social media because how can you not? What a special special occasion that was. Uh, what a what a goal. Uh, but we're going to go now and it, it links us in with our, our brand new feature. And for this one, I'm going to hand over to uh, Alex.
1: Yeah, thank you, Liam. I, I feel like this is uh, first day of a game show. I feel like <laughs> Joey Tribbiani. <laughs> Welcome to Bamboozle. Um, yeah, so something that we are going to sort of do on uh, the Tuesday podcast every week now. We're going to play a little game. We're going to use the fact that uh, Liam and Joe, the uh, the esteemed colleagues in assembly here, are lifelong Wednesdayites. And when uh, I'm going to choose a, a classic game from Sheffield Wednesday's past, uh, and they're going to take it in turns to name a player that was involved that day. So we will accept the substitutes that came off the bench. If they're an unused sub-gentleman, you you are out. We'll give you one incorrect answer. On your second incorrect answer, you're out. And I'll keep a tally of the scores um, throughout the series um, and the season, and we'll see how we get on as we go. Is everything clear, chaps?
2: Yes. Apart from my memory, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) So um, in... Obviously, the, the listeners can play in as as well, so uh, do get involved. <laughs> They'll be better than me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we, we're going to go topical. We're going to go for Sheffield Wednesday's last win at Goodison Park, last win over Everton, the 5th of April, 99, a Premier League game. Uh, I can tell you that uh, Sheffield Wednesday legend Francis Jeffers gave Everton the lead um, 12 minutes in. Uh, and uh, Wednesday went on to win 2-1. Um, so, uh, hang on, I'll get myself a call Does you in
2: Everton players count?
1: No, just, just Wednesday.
2: Damn it. I, I remember Mark Ramirez, had an absolute shocker. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, so, uh, Liam, seeing as you're the host with the most, heads or tails? Heads. Is it is ahead.
2: head it
1: is a head yeah Liam in the edit you're going to have to put some uh, <laughs> who, who wants to be a millionaire <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: over the top so so Liam you were, you won the toss would you like to go first or second
0: I'll go first you'll go first yes and I'm going to say Benito Carboni
1: Benito Carboni is of course correct he scored two goals that day
2: Joe Kranis over to you he liked scoring against Everton he scored a couple of the season before as well I think um, I'm gonna go. So there's some that I know were there, but then then afterwards I'm just gonna guess players from this area not, area they know, but it's right. Um, I know Andy Booth was there. Andy Booth definitely played that game.
1: Andy Booth did play that game. Played up front with Benito Carbone, Mister Hoden.
0: Oh, see this. Uh, as I was saying before we started this, this is where the getting up there in age blurs things into into one. I am going to go for.
1: Pavel Sernicek. Pavel Sernacek, now obviously there was a battle in the net at that point between Pavel Sernichek and Kevin Pressman. Liam's gone for for Pavel Sernacek. And he's correct, Pavel oh. Soonscheck, did get the nod in goal that day at Goodison.
2: Uh, Alex, are you doing this for like dramatic effect or are you, looking at, are you checking? <laughs> no, no, you am No, it. On, I'm, I'm getting
1: nervous. It's brilliant. It's absolutely superb. <laughs> so we've had Benito Carboni, Andy Booth and Pavel Soonscheck. Joe Cran, your honour, sir.
2: I'm going to go Vim Yonk.
1: Vim Yonk did play
0: in the middle of the field. That was a gamble going for Vim Yonk being fit and available to play.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I I like I'm kind of at that point now when, when I'm just naming players from that era and hoping that they're there. <laughs>
0: yeah. Mr Howden, over to you. I am gonna go. And I'm nervous about this one.
1: Emerson Tome. Emerson Tome. Burda Dum He is in the middle of mid, uh, sorry, in the middle of defence, <laughs> he did play, he did start. Good. Over to you, Mister Cram.
2: I'm not sure if he was captain at this point or not, but Peter Atherton?
1: Peter Atherton did play that day, of Goodison. This was is good captain? going, chaps. i got that information. Uh, I can probably pull that up. Just bear with me. Um, I've not got that information, but looking at the. Um, uh, yeah, he may, well, he may well have been captain. He may well have been captain. Uh, right, so three apiece. Pavel Cernicek, Peter Atherton, Emerson Tome, Wim Yonk, Andy Booth and Benito Carboni have all gone. Mr. Hoden, over to you. Oh, dear.
0: I am going to go for Mark
1: Pembridge. Mark Pembridge was not involved oh, at Goodison, so you oh, have one begins. life one life has gone Joe Cram uh,
2: um, uh, Walking in a Rudy Wonderland Petter Rudy
1: Petter Did play He started the game I'm guessing in the middle of the field With, uh, with Vim Yonk the uh, Liam Hoden now I've
2: never seen on a footballer <laughs>
1: Liam, you're, you're on a tightrope, mate. One more incorrect answer, and you are ski.
0: That Petter was going to be my next suggestion. Oh, and I nearly went for him over Mark Pembridge. Um, I am going to go for Nicholas Alexanderson.
1: Great shot. Correct, Nicholas Alexanderson. Whoa. So there are one, two, three starters remaining, and two players that came off the bench. Joe Cran
2: um, so this is a risk because I don't remember what year we signed him and I, I know he had injuries as well Andy Inchcliffe
1: Andy Inchcliffe played at left back against his former club excellent the lives of Mr Cran remain this is very good going Charles I'm very impressed with this uh, Liam again we, we're, setting a, we're setting a high bar here and it's all. Down
0: <laughs> oh dear 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 I am going to go for, and I, oh, I think this is wrong. I think this is wrong. Gerald Sibon.
1: Eh-eh. Uh-uh. Nah. <laughs> Liam Hoden no. is out. No, Gerald Sibon. Too early, I think. Um, yeah, that would... Yeah, I think so. Um, so, yeah, you've got two starters remaining and two off the bench. Uh, I can reveal that one of them is a centre half played in the middle of defence with Emerson Turn. If if either you want to jump in on that one,
2: mm. oh, is it who was sat behind us at the game the other day, John Newson? Yeah,
1: your friend and mine, John Newson, friend friend of the podcast. <laughs> um, and then a midfielder, uh, Northern Ireland international, I believe. No idea. Oh,
0: um. Oh, oh God. Chris will,
1: Chris, what are you
0: doing over there? <laughs> it's not Danny Sonner, is it? It is Danny Sonner. Mara Sonner. Mara Sonner. <laughs> um, Chris, Chris would have never. Chris Holt would have never forgiven us for not getting that one. Too. <laughs> don't,
2: don't play this podcast for him.
1: And then off the bench, um, Philip Scott came on for Nicholas Alexanderson and Richard Cresswell came on for Benito Carboni for
0: Standing th- Ovation. I was trying to think who the... Um, all the- so the striker would have been you know if yeah. a striker Gen- were going genuinely
2: to I do not remember Philip Scott he was one,
0: he, the the three lads that came down from Scotland, Simon Donnelly, Phil O'Donnell, and Phil Scott came around about that time. Another player signed to a very long contract and paid a ridiculous amount of money for the time who contributed very, very little to the club like the other two. At least were. we grew out of that. <laughs> <Scottish>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lessons, learnt. Lessons yeah. learned. learnt. So, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed with that from me because remind people, Joe, how old you were when that game took place. I was 9. Yeah, I was uh, <laughs> 15 then so really I should have.
2: I think I actually think it's better being younger for, to be honest because I think the difference for me is that was like my you know that was my formative years a Wednesday y- yeah. So I, I think that they they those players are players that I were, were the first Wednesday players that I um supported. But there's loads like that I I, I figured were a bit too late like you know Des Walker and yeah. Um, I think obviously Pressman. I, I knew Pressman hadn't played because I actually I, I watched the highlights and I saw <laughs> and I saw Sernicek get scored past by Jeffers. But like Richie Humphries and Lee Briscoe and people like that that I, I thought were possibly in the side. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, th- I I get what you mean about the the kind of age thing because I think if you rewound it to about 1993 uh, and and that era, then I probably would have been a bit more. Uh...
2: We'll get there. Yes. we have many. We have many to go through. I,
0: I'll, I'll tell you what—that is—that I like that feature. I don't know what the listeners think, and feel free to let us know Who what cares? you think. This but, is for us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just enjoyed that, and I, and I do like the the winner, the hosting style of Alex. The
2: winner, the winner has to the winner get dinner bought for him by the other person. Either either in person or just a delivery if we
1: can't go out. At the end of the season. Yeah, so that that is 1-0 to Joe Cran. Um, And yeah, Liam, back to you. I'm going to get, like, he wants to be a millionaire lights and stuff in my flat. And and I appreciate this is an audio, you know, way of doing things. But I don't care. (laughs) I just need it for myself. I'm going to get a sparkly jacket on and all the rest of it, yeah.
2: Get some cards out. (laughs) <laughs>
0: this will be a brilliant thing once, once supporters are back at the ground because we could even commandeer a couple of fans outside the game, uh, at, outside the ground before a game one time and get them to play this or, or when we get maybe into a pub where uh, at some point in the very distant future no doubt but no i think i think there's some definite legs in that one i uh, very much enjoyed it even though i came out on the losing side but that's pretty much it for this episode of the star isles make sure you let us know what you thought of the game and your general thoughts on uh, everything sheffield wednesday at the minute Uh, make sure you of course that you stay tuned to the star.co.uk for the latest uh, news views and analysis on all things wednesday uh, and as I say while you're there why not consider that subscription there are all the details up there but again unlimited access to the brilliant work of these two fellas uh, reduced adverts on the uh, on the subscription site as well which I know some of you will be delighted about but uh for now, I'm not going to promise that we'll be back later in the week because things are very difficult at the minute with the lockdown and homeschooling and all that. I, mean, I think I promised last week and we, we couldn't quite deliver it, but <laughs> we will endeavour to bring you two episodes a week. Uh, and so Hopefully we'll be back Thursday uh, or at the very latest uh, Friday this week. But very, thanks very much for joining us on this occasion. I've been Liam Oden and thank you very much to Joe Cran and uh, Alex Miller as well. We shall speak to you again very soon. Take care. Yeah. Head over to thestar.co.uk for all the latest news, views and analysis of all things Sheffield Wednesday. Follow us on Twitter, at The Star Owls, or search on Facebook for our dedicated Sheffield Wednesday page. And remember, you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever.